0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Isika, a digital journey of self-discovery. My name is Amina Isid, and thank you so much for joining me on my journey. For this episode, we're going to take it back to the beginning. We're going to take it to 2015, my first summer trip, and all of this was like a defining trip in general. One of the like things that I always talked about, especially after I left, <laughs> that really marked this summer was we all went on this huge like group trip. We were trying to go to Saladin Island, and we ended up only making it to El Sheikh, which is a small beach about town, like about two hours away from Hegesa which is gorgeous. Like it's still worth going to. And so this episode speaking with Marian and Manira, who were on the trip. So when I was going to Hergeisa. I I went through London. So I'm in Heathrow Airport and the whole ride to the airport, my uncle is asking me questions about other things that I didn't think about. And I was like, oh shit. And then he was like, you should probably take care of this. And I was like, Oh my god! And like, and I literally was like, I'm not, was not even ready. So I had the craziest time at Heathrow, running around before I made it to my gate. And so I got to my gate about like five minutes before boarding was closing. And I'm like, I ran up to the counter, gave them my ticket, and then there's this old gentleman dressed suited and booted, and he's casually strolling, and he's like, How oyway they? And I was like, What are you talking about? Like, why would I cry? He's like, Oh, the girl who came here before you, she was so devastated. She thought she missed her flight. She was crying. And I was like, after the hour that I just had, I'd be so happy because I'm not ready to go on this trip. In true fashion, we were delayed for an hour on the runway after that. So, okay, fast forward. Then we go to Adasabba. I see him again, and he was like, Oh, and I was like, Yeah, that was me. So he's like, Oh, you know, we would stay with the same. And then he was like, Oh, He goes, That was normal to me. That's how I grew up. You know, you might be a stranger, but then that's how so that happened. I was like, all right, cool. I thought you know, it was nice to meet you. And then I forgot about it. And I didn't even know his name to tell my dad later on. And then Munira in this episode, by the end of the summer when she was leaving, I finally realized who she was. And then I was like, oh, my God, your dad was the person that I met in London um, when I was at Heathrow. So it was very, very like small world. And I think that's what really um kept me going back to somaliland or like really kind of drew me to this experience it was like my way of getting reconnected and this opportunity was certainly a way for me to kind of create my own like type of somali friend group that we can tell our kids do you remember that time we went on this road trip and so this episode really kind of speaking to that summer and to that crazy-ass road trip to El Sheikh and I have to say to this day I've never gone back to El Sheikh I kind of refuse to (laughs) but inshallah one day I can make it a Sa'dedin island so enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more now look at us we are all here so welcome Manira. welcome Marianne how are you guys doing (laughs)
1: so yeah my dad did tell me a little bit about Amina's story and he was like (laughs) yeah 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 Not the fact that it was very tribalistic. It wasn't about that. It was the actual fact that he thought that Farid. But he was actually quite proud. Because later on, he actually told me that he knew your dad. He knew your mom. It was just like all of this history. And sometimes, you know, we go out as far as being that diaspora. We go as far as, you know, and wide across the whole world. And then it's just a simple flight going back home. And all history unravels itself. So since then, we have kept in really good contact. So I'm actually like... It's my pleasure being here, Amina. <laughs> so, <laughs> how did you start like a
2: podcast? I know why, but maybe it's good for people to know as well.
0: So I started a blog to remember what I experienced when I went to Somaliland and I, when I went back home. And then I, so I was writing initially and then I got kind of, tired of writing and i was like why not move to audio i was already talking out loud having conversations with people anyways so why not just convert it to audio and then kind of share those stories to make it a little bit more accessible to people like as you know north americans were really far removed um so kind of give people who haven't been there yet a little inside look as to what being there is like for some people every trip that i had into my land
1: honestly was ten i've literally like every year like i've gone back a couple of years i went back in 2002 i went in 2004
0: 2002 what did you even see
1: a difference i I saw i was telling maria and i kept on saying when i went back the first time nine years ago remember i was so preoccupied because i was that culturally shocked because when i went in 2000 i was promised myself back then i was like oh i love this place like every two years because it was a place of banter it was a place of jokes you know what Everyone swore, <laughs> it was above the belly button. All the guys, you know, it was just like men holding hands. And, and like, now they're wearing skinny jeans. Yeah, and goats walking around and camels, you know, passing by and people beeping their horn and, you know, so when I came back and I kept on saying to Maria, Maria, it wasn't like this nine years ago. When I came last in 2006, and she was like, can you stop talking about nine years ago? <laughs> it was such a shock. And I was so in shock because... 2002 four and six when i went and then it was a massive jump to 2015 because i was like oh and now i want to travel the rest of the world i know you know what i i've seen that i've done it then i came back and i was like okay cool let me top up you know because my friends are there But like, I would never put anybody off. But 2002 to 2050, massive difference. They have TVs, they have, you know, the latest phones. They had like things like Snapchat and, you know, Facebook was on the rise. And, you know, it was like just a different world. You know, it was just a whole different vibe. Oh, I want ice cream. You're actually getting a scoop of proper ice cream. Whereas before it was like this little, you know, and it was was a binto and it was different. But would I ever tell somebody not to go? No. Would I tell people to go? I'm second you on that notion, I mean, I'll tell people, Tega, because well, what would and uh, of course we Do you get it?
2: Even if we try to replicate that, I don't think we would have that same experience ever again. It was so organic. And then every new person that we would meet, we would meet them in a Cup of Art. Basically, there was a coffee shop where we would we would
1: meet people and, and no one was expecting to get that out of it. Definitely once in a lifetime. I second that notion. And I'm so glad, like well, I it's money is right. All the people that we met, we stayed in contact actually. A few good ones. A few good like majority, about seventy five percent so they just see the you know the they just see as as one umbrella you know what the people that you live with the family that you stay with they know where you're located destinations are America Australia London Italy France yeah but like in the people that are actually just the general public that live out they, you're just good just from the outside so we were represented as a one so they thought at one point they must have thought we were all mad because especially like literally at the build up when we all kind of mingling and being cup of hours, it was weird because we actually got to the point where we ran out of seats like yeah. it got to that point where it, that place was such a popping popular place that there was concession a lot of our concession for the age you get it it's just one of those yeah. and it was just like you know you know, you know that there was like mental not me and cake. we knew But it's just so weird how you didn't care if the person was from France, Italy, London. We were all, like, experiencing the same thing. We all kind of were like, you know what? It's for the experience. You felt like it was home, but it wasn't home. That's one thing. Like, I have to, like, bring it back to, like you you know, we we spend money going back home because A we want to have that cultural top up, you know, so we're already culturally clued up and we're culturally kind of entwined with our communities and afghan dakan you know, all of that stuff. So you're with that. But when you go back home, you want to have that top-up, you know, you're like, what jokes, you know, you want to have a you know six weeks of laughter. You've got cousins, you know, and everyone comes round, you have that bashal and then in the evening you go out to the coffee shops or restaurants with your friends. But the thing is, it didn't matter how much you did and how much you grafted to actually get your ticket to go home, and you just felt like there was always this center segregation between you know the kadebebeha and the Gudha. Like it was just that it was there wasn't that intertwined. It wasn't like it, it was always us and you and you and I. It wasn't never a togetherness, you know. But I I was really like I loved it. I loved the fact that you know what we as adults funded ourselves and we funded our own trips. And that's what made this one different in comparison to any other trips. Whereas the rest of them, we used to, <laughs> so it was all, you know, hoi and Abo pay for the ticket and hoi and Abo have this spending money in any restaurants. So you go to Hoi and Abo, you know, any m- money that you give to family is from hoi and Abo. Whereas this time round, we actually forked out our own tickets and it was, mm-hmm. I was, actually wasn't going to go. It was Mariana and uh, Sam that were out there and I was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do in my summer? you are like, everyone's coming to Hedgesa. You're <laughs> go. And I was like, no, got take out. Like, I've got to my land. And I was like, okay, cool. And my dad was going, and my auntie. And I was like, okay, I've got a bit of protection. Because everyone needs a little bit of, you know, well, protection, you know. So I thought, okay, my dad went before me. And then he'll book me the hotel, you know. Because now we're older. I don't want to be in a house, you know. I'm too bougie now, you know. I'm now making my own money, you know. <laughs> I don't want to stay in family houses, but to be quite honest, it was different. I felt the difference in vibes between a hotel and a family house, and I wish I didn't stay in the hotel sometimes because the the hustle the was with the waiters or you know whoever's bringing the breakfast and what out of them. You know, it wasn't that. I actually went that year particularly because I think Sam and Marian were there, and I was just like, everybody's gonna go. It's gonna be the lit year, and you think I don't want to miss out on that. <laughs> book my ticket but Maria and Sam were out there for like I think months before
2: yeah so when you came we were there like seven months or even eight
1: yeah and
2: we went there in January the fourth or the third something like that and we were there and we stayed there till September maybe yeah Yeah, nine months and it was so the reason why so basically in 2014 and this is like six months conversation between Samira and myself where we were just I was in such a dead-end job um, I was working as a digital um, media uh, person um I was so, i hated my job, I hated my manager, it was such a dead end job and I just wasn't fulfilled. I was there for four years, five years and Sam was in the same place that she just didn't like her job anymore. In the beginning it was joking more fun or like should we just go back maybe or as a holiday but then I think at some point we just decided like let's just quit our jobs and let's do like six months and even if we come back we can still have our jobs, let's see if we still have our jobs, if not we'll just look for other jobs. But once we decided to go, honestly, I never felt so much relief. Like I felt like shackled almost. Like the job, it was like surrounding everything. It was just just the job and then everything else. That was the most important thing. And once you sort of decide not to spend so much time on something that you really hate, like you just feel literally so light. So once we decided, we just literally left. And in the beginning, Obviously, there was a cold shock. Um, it was winter time; it was January, so it wasn't even like really good weather. Especially during the night, it was super cold. But we found our way at the end, and then we were sort of like the. OGs oh, so, so when people came we were the people that would welcome everyone so obviously we hyped Manira up for months and then told her like this is the place to be <laughs> basically everyone was on the internet and we were just I if you know me you know that I don't make I don't like to make friends easily like I just don't, <laughs> you can ask Manira like I have a few good friends and that's It's like i i actually i'm friendly but i i'm just not really like friendly like as in but somehow when we were there like we became friends with everyone like your whole mindset changes and especially if you're in london people in london are not friendly like you sort of build up this whole shell that you just only do you and you can see the people that you want to see and you don't let anyone in like that's the thing and when once you go to hargaysa like you're new you just want to s- meet like-minded people you just want to see people that you know speak the same language english obviously as you that you know have the same experiences as you so everyone that we would meet was so cheats and literally and then we would take their phones and literally at the end we had like 35 friends <laughs> <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> Including you, so yeah So honestly, and I'm actually, we're still In contact with like, we all follow each other On social media, it's just like Such a once in a lifetime Experience,
1: and it was actually five days Into, I think, no About five, six days into Me coming to Ergesa, that the trip to El Sheikh was actually, and um, Sa'duddin Was actually oh, really? booked, yeah, so I was like Okay, cool, Um, yeah, I have my own money I can go where I want, you know, I'm <laughs> a big grown adult I'm like, in my twenties, so I don't need To ask anybody, and it was just like <laughs> my dad's like no, dad, well, dad, you now dad and we were so confident listen we're adults now we don't need to depend on you we are out here you know so for us it was just like we, we call the shots you know i look back now i'm thinking that was so naive so spontaneous so like diaspora like you know it's just like we were like this is our land <laughs> we own this we're educated people we're all going back and you know what it's the land of the free so you know what we're going to mm-hmm. stay Master the one at, that and we've got money we're going to take these cars and we're going to hire out these drivers and we're going to fill them up with you know all of us and we're going to drive that was the biggest group of people it is.
2: when we because sam and i we went actually did that trip in like february or march mm-hmm But we went with five people. So it's completely different going with five people compared to 35 people. So I think we hyped that trip up so much and we kept inviting everyone. I don't think we
0: intended on everyone to say yes. And they showed up 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning, five Land Rovers deep. We said we're going vacation in the middle of Somaliland. It was so naive, actually, to...
2: If we look back now, like we were so naive to think that we would actually succeed in going to <laughs> Sayla and Saaduddin. Like, and the thing is, even when I go back and when we actually, when Sam and I and a few other people, when we actually went to Sayla and we had to cross with this little fisher boat on to go to Saaduddin, like those Oscari, they gave us such a hard time. They literally said to us, and there was just a group of five people, they told us, like, we don't know who you guys are just go back and then I think one of them um asked us about uh about Kabir, and then one of uh, one of them actually had the same Qabil as i did and he was from Re'agab as well so just from that he actually allowed us to go but mm-hmm. like looking back at that I feel like I just I was so overconfident that we would actually be able to pull that off with now with 35
0: people <laughs> uh- and we were oh, yeah. loud, blasting rap music the entire time. Ty- so it wasn't even like we were trying to like be slick about it. And the problem was also, as soon as we left Targhesa, a, car- a tire punctured. I mean, I've never seen
1: a, a tire, like, actually blown up in the heat. I've never seen a tire kind of sink into the sand so deep that it was needing six, seven guys to actually literally sand, like, kind of... It, like dig out that tire, and then you kind of go another mile, and you can't stay in that same position for too long because the next tires will also be sand deep. You know, it was just something ludicrous, and you could, and you know, it was so ignorant. Even from me, from a medical background, I just like we could have died of dehydration. None of us accident, yes. and we're driving in like the peak of the sun, like at forty something degrees, and I'm thinking, okay, cool, no AC in the vehicles actually genuinely work. You know, we'd kind of like you know, but you know, half of it either in the car. You know what? And we're stopping off in the middle of the desert, just dancing, doing music videos. That's what I remember. And we own that land so deep, yeah, that we were blasting the music, like, like you know, one of them. And I'm just like, well, they sure did. <laughs> yeah. And carried on, and we were just like, yeah. The thing for me was, it was all fun, 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 fun. And then when the sun starts to set, yeah, and then you're like, okay, shit, it really hit. Now, you know, one of them, like, shit hits the fan You're like, okay, what's the plan? Because uh, ain't no sat-nav here These people are not going by sat-navs They do not have a fucking <laughs> phone And I'm like, I look back now And I reflect, I'm like, Allah There's no telephone that has a signal out You know, You know, we're just like the most ignorant And we're just out here swimming in the deepest ocean In El Sheikh, yeah Just like, Ali, this is land you know, the saddest thing is, it's like, we bring culture to culture. So we have our own culture, and we're Somalis. But like, the saddest thing is, they have their culture, and, you know, we're, we're still the same people. But you have to understand, there's a there's a, a line that you don't cross. <laughs> Someone's house, you know? But, but this is our line. Remember, we own this place. You know, this is our gas now, yeah? So we're, we're people that paid for airline tickets. And we just deposited ourselves in these, you know, these villagers' house. And, you know, and... I remember the saddest thing is that one of the girls ended up like setting up a shisha pipe there. Mm-hmm. I remember like, and I'm like, that is just like I look back now and the level of disrespect and how none of us actually kind of was like, no, nah, hey yo, Namana switch on in. Like she's there, really you know, this little village boy, what really then you know, because she had a really stressful day, didn't she? You know, no, of course, you know, you've decided to come on this trip and it was just like a cultural shock for her. I get it, but you've just gone and shocked their culture by just depositing your shisha p- bottle and i'm thinking and i'm just like how is that even they, they looked at us and i think that message filtered through and we we got yeah. this back from Askerizka, like do you get it like because they just thought the bunch of are just on some jury ride and you know and that kind of you know it was like chinese whispers in a big vi- you know it was such a small village we have no mobile connection and it still fascinates me today that what got back main man village person do you get it it's just like and then it just kind of after
0: that we ended up setting up camp and they they hosted us they hosted us they didn't like that so we were supposed to sleep remember where we um where where we ate lunch the next day they moved us on yeah we slept in the middle of nowhere because they were like you know and we're like and i remember even somebody had a macbook so then we have like, we, we thought we were camping, right? So we started the fire. Somebody had a MacBook, they're playing rap music and then they have pipes going and it's like, we're camping. But like everyone around us is like, what the freak are these people? And Somaliland wasn't ready for that back then. Even now. It is.
2: Also, if you think about it, like, it's just a bunch of guys and girls all together. That's unheard of. Like, if you know, if you know how you you know that men and women, they don't mix. In the, on the streets you, you they don't mix even in cafes they don't mix so for us to all be there and all chilling and all mates and all friends, uh, that was unheard of like that is literally unheard of so for them, that was the biggest red sign that they could see and then obviously on top of all the other things that
1: they saw <laughs> we're out here trying to you know, fit in, and we do the most to not fit in. Do you get it? Like, we were out here thinking, you know what, Anaka, we are Somalis. Like, you know what, and then all of a sudden, we do certain things, and you just think, you know what, now I'm a bit older and I'm a bit understanding. Like, that wasn't something I was doing personally, I wasn't involved in that. But, like, for me to now look at the bigger picture, bigger picture, and think, you know what, yeah. I should have actually been more culturally clued up to say, well, honey, you know what, yes, like you could have taken it to the far. They saw that and it was just like red crosses all the way through. And it was just like from then onwards, I can actually honestly say that the trip just <laughs> kept, kept on escalating to more obstacles and more obstacles because it just turned into a Chinese whisper. Like it was just, you know what, you know, waggy like, go back to Hargeisa I'm like, what?
0: How are you we're t- like, we're going to say that Like, say that's four hours It was eight hours away at that point How many people? How dare you tell us to
1: go back? How, the level of disrespect. And we're telling them, Maya. And then one guy was like, he you know? And we were like, Yeah, you egg it on. You do that. We were so gassed. We ended up literally sleeping the night. We were like, well, You know what? Before, you know, We've got to be there midday. Got to be there. Everyone, six o'clock. Because so we, we were like, how do they even know we're gonna go? Like, how can they? How do they know? And I'm just like, wait a again we didn't even get into. <laughs> we got into two more like sand stuck moments. Like, <laughs> where the just sand stuck. Didn't even <laughs> learn our lesson there. <laughs> and then, like, I remember I have a friend that used to be a Londoner. He lives in Canada now. And most of the trip, is spent like digging up. I love could it. Literally, him and Ade and all of these guys were like constantly digging up. The, the the tires out of the sand and then it was like guys just we're done out here and so um i remember that morning we were so confident and we were actually wanting to like go so we actually went by the time we got to i think an hour into it we we're already two sand kind of tire stuck moments in and then we got to remember there was a little another so one yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then did they open those barriers in, to let us in? <laughs> so we ended up opening. And then we so dehydrated again at this point that Tukanki Rabagal, remember that little shop? Oh, yeah. But I, the boss, he was like, ha. So we went into that little shop and everyone's like buying whatever shiny. And, and then my friend at that time was so dehydrated. I don't even know why we even pursued. She, if we went any further, I think people was, we would have had bodies dropping. But she ended up like literally like, no, you guys have to see this beautiful place that we went to. We went there in February and you guys got to see it. And so we were egging each other on about seeing this thing. So we ended up like actually pursuing. And we were actually in our heads thought that we needed to pass this next hula. But by the time we actually got there, 20 minutes into the shop round, and people, did we not see the biggest armed... <laughs> t- uh, literally, with the... The army tanks. Tank, with the actual thingy... Piped on, on the roof, on exactly. T- directed at us. You couldn't have made this shit up. You couldn't really make it up. And it's like, Sega! And I'm like, I don't know why are <laughs> We are dead. We are dead out here. And the thing is, is that the, like... Had we not been in that Rafat state, I probably would have been laughing about it at that moment. But we were so dehydrated. We were adamant and so fixated on seeing this beautiful island, which is a remote island, which is kind of a preserved island and has kind of never been seen by any of us, you know, diasporas. Yeah, we were so determined, you know, making sure that our mobiles were switched off and we had enough charge battery so that we take beautiful pictures. We were so mad that we thought we owned the land. But when I saw that tank, I was like, Allah, like, we're dead. It literally like, felt like
2: something out of a movie. It literally... I, I, I thought I had, like, an out-of-body experience. I was looking at them, but then it didn't make sense to me. It wasn't literally, like, going into
1: my brains. And it was... I was in shock. In shock. <laughs> and the, the, the funny thing is, it's like, yeah, they had gay So, again, that whole distinct, the distinguishing between... The, the the landers and the, the outsiders was very apparent. We are not gonna take we're not gonna kinda make it out like that wasn't actually transparent. So it turned out to be all the drivers. By the time that Miskin Askari came out, yeah. they saw the uniform I was like, Allah, you just slap him. Then the other drivers, two of them got slapped. Allah. You know? <laughs> is <This laughs> Why?
2: I understand why. Because they should have known better. They should not have put us in here, basically. That's what those Oscaris are basically saying. Like, they should not have... They should have at least spoken up and
0: then said, like, guys, don't. Listen, though, they told us, even they said, don't keep going. The road is so bad. We said, we are going to go. And I'm like, why? Like, we wouldn't have listened. And I think the route that we, because later on, I was like kind of asking
1: people, "Hey yo, like, I don't understand why was it such a bad, and why were they trying to obstruct this trip? And I realized what they were saying was that, hey, like, you know, you know, you know what? Because that road is more safe. Their cars would have kept on getting stuck.
0: And eventually they sent a cars. So that's why they even were like, for your own safety, we well, wow. don't want the international community saying, all oh, these diaspora died in the middle of nowhere trying to go to an island. So <laughs> go back to Hergeisa. And at this point, we were so. we were so Just sad. bad PR for them.
1: <laughs> we lost, remember, we lost one of the cars, the American car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the saddest thing is, with the threats of the Askari to say, container, yeah, well, that didn't stop us. He was like, and all of us were like, you know, all of the shock. Obviously, we had the upper hand And we're not going to go back So we decided to tell the drivers We're not going back We're going back to El Shea And we're going to swim in the sea Because that sea was dead-ass beautiful And it was a blue ocean sea And the askari threatened us He was like We didn't We actually were The so- actual entitlement It's just Allah, mind-blowing
0: Yeah, hand. we went back swimming And then they made us lunch And we said Sorry, what. I don't even think we said sorry We just said Oh, we here. Could you make us food, please? Yeah, we assumed that they would have enough food. <laughs> we were
1: entitled because that's our land, that's our
0: country in Somaliland. Like, I, it, but we were just acting like we were in the West. We were in yeah. the
1: West. There was literally, I remember, and we're so like, so, like we were all in the ocean floating because it was so salty. So everyone's yeah. there floating, and then I remember like. The noise, because the guys were like America versus the UK kind of <laughs> thing. Just literally picking the guys up and throwing them. And, you know, it was just so much fun. And it was so, and we didn't come, we didn't care. We were coming out. Did an energy, got stuck to our bodies, you know. And there was none of that. You know, we didn't care. And it was just like, you know what? It's our land. It's a beautiful sea. It's what we paid for. You know what? The only things that were missing was the beach bed, you know, suntan lotion and cocktails that served to us. That's literally what was missing. company was 100. It was on point. You know what? And it was just, it kind of, it showed that there was actually, you know what? We, we may have not got the end goal yeah but it was an experience that was a goal that you know you can that, that was like the be all end all if you were part of it you were part of it. well like and we came back we were talking about it with a passion like how the askari said they were going to ship us off in containers we were the nihiriyan like being locked up in your country thinking that you had an entitlement you were entitled to actually and then one, how dare you you know and, okay we're so rebellious like the western mentality the <laughs> yeah Years later, I married one of the campus. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we should have had a reunion
0: at your wedding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really, you one of the campus. You know, so I was just like, and the thing is, it's a common conversation. Oh my God, we were mad. He was like, yeah, and I'm like, because he's such a quiet person, he's very yeah. observant, so he kind of knew, you know, the, the the East London lot. He knew the American lot. He kind of knew it, and I thought he was never going to remember names and faces, you know, because yeah. like very reserved. I was thinking notes
0: mentally the whole time. That's
1: how <laughs> that I. Like opening up and the banter and the jokes. And it was just like. And the funny thing is, he was only in Hergesa, I, I think two days. Yeah. By the time I was like, hey, yo. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we're organizing a trip. Are you looking to come? He was like, yeah, why not? And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And he was like, you stuck me in a vest of people that I didn't even know. And he rants on about that till today. And I'm like, Allah. You know, would I do it a safer way? Hell yes. Because now I'm older and it's five years plus. And I'm just thinking, you know what? It was some adrenaline, junkie. Some of us we were all in our twenties, you know what? Um and the energy levels were so buzzing because there was a group of us. It kind of made me think about, you know, what the future. So whereas before I'd be like, Oh, you know, what i It was actually like, How do I help my people? Cause I could see the struggles the day that you were not well, I took Sam to Remember the mental health hospital, and I want to see it because obviously, coming from a mental health background, I was just like, Oh my God, you know what? You know, and sometimes it's like, help your people. And I was just so disappointed and so disgusted. Like, you know what? They said there was a capacity of 50, but you know, a maximum of 50, and they had a capacity of people that was seven, there was 70 females there. And those that didn't have a bed or weren't like, you know, first come, first serve bases, their family would bring them out. And I was just like, this is really sad you know what yeah like you know and i was just like oh this is this is not right you know and then the beds were like these metal frame beds like honestly not even the uk gels probably have this type of bed yeah and it was just like you're a sick person and you actually obviously sleep is a major thing and they're sleeping on like this thin base mattress on a metal frame bed and i just thought okay i'm i'm, I'm done out here but the passion I had, I was like, wow, 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 wow. So, and she actually went to the health minister. So, we all went to like the Department of Education, Department of Health. And I see the the, the Minister of Health just kind of swinging off this really expensive chair and marble flooring. And and I was just like, mm-hmm. and he was just like, oh. and I was just like, you know what? this is really quite sad. And I just felt just like, what, honey, what? And I just came back and I was like, would I ever go back there? You know? And I was like, I had banter. I had laughter. I had jokes. But is that because everybody was together? And we
2: were basically closed off of everything. So we didn't know the struggles that people were going through. And we were so basically busy Uh, with ourselves that we were actually just also i think it was like self-protection because if you see that like you don't that makes you sad so we were literally like let's just make the most of the remaining time that we have and you know this is not our struggle and it just goes beyond us and as you said like even with Sirka, he didn't give an f you didn't and And these are the people in charge so what can we do
1: no, and that's what I, I felt like it doesn't take a person to change a mindset it takes a village do you get it it takes a city it takes a government it takes people do you get it and i just felt like one person be like Ala, we're never gonna make a difference so what am i gonna do i'm gonna carry on and you guys already said you know, uh, you know you're already kind of labored up let's just What do you do? You end it, you start to become what they want you to become. You know, the Mm. outsiders, you know that one on aisa, inshallah. You know that, you know what, you know what, because you know what, you got the bands, you got the jokes. But you actually, I'm leaving there with new friends and people that actually understand me. So I was like, you know what, did I have a great time? Yes, I did. You know what, I'm not going to let this, but like, did I have a great time because I actually met and familiarized myself with people that were actually on the same wave as me? Yes, it was this time around in 2015 had nothing to do with family. It actually was the first year I can say, well, I, I spent the bare minimum. I had spent more time in Marianne and um, Sam's hotel. I spent more time in Cup of Art. You know, we went around to different restaurants. You know, we went around to a Kuwaiti open orphanage school center, you know, that was actually gorgeous, built on the outskirts of like a little bit of Hargeisa, And we were doing all this other stuff. And I was like did I have a great did I feel like I actually was like this is yeah this is yeah I I can afford it I can go to a cup of wine and have a coffee for like ten dollars if I have to do you get it because Mm -hmm. I'm active and I don't have to give it to anybody Mm -hmm. so I just became the people so but would I go back there without you guys I don't know you know
0: (laughs) okay so as somebody who went back after that nothing hit like 2015 even like even outside of you guys like I had all these little pockets of like safety nets that made it so I'm like oh I have this for this and I have this for this and then after that nothing was the same and I was like what am I coming back for and then the last summer I truly just did whatever I wanted I stayed at a hotel I went to Bogut du Chaux. I was like I'll see you guys all when I see you guys I'm on vacation I don't need anything from this place and that was great and I think that's what I needed to no but for me i think as manira
2: said 2015 it was once in a lifetime it was so organic i don't think we could ever you know reproduce that but it is what it is and i love the fact that you're doing this podcast because you know how memories are down the line down the years you forget small details so i honestly think this is such a good initiative um i would definitely go back but i hope there's some sort of a change and again that both down to the government and whoever is in charge. I really hope that because I feel like Somaliland, it's such a promising country. We have so much to offer and I really hope that people wake up and we actually get real leaders. This might actually be insensitive to some people, but honestly, we the thing is, it takes one good leader, you know, someone like Malcolm X or, you know, whoever that can literally just, you know, make sure that the whole country eats and now it's just like, Rich, rich eating the poor basically. So I really hope that we
1: can all become like one. And yeah, I would definitely go back if that's the case. Well, I, I, I loved every moment of it. I would never change a bit. Even the adrenaline junkies that we were, the yeah. wild that we were, we felt like our passports were validated and valid throughout the whole of Somaliland that nobody could touch us with a bargepole. The level of importance. We were the
2: Karens before there were even Karens. Honestly. <laughs>
1: let's leave it at that the privilege was real (laughs) the thing is i think it kind of opened us up we were like you know what i mean you started you came back and you were like i really love my people and you went hard on your academics with africa like it just it didn't open you up it didn't make you very naive about just your people it was like a This is our people as a whole. It wasn't like an East African thing, you know? So it just kind of like opened doors for you. And I think that you needed that. You were already on the page. You already had one foot in the door. But had you not gone there, would life look very different for you? Would you just be an American grafter? I think for me, it made me grow up. And I was like, listen, I don't really give a shit whether you accept me or not. I think that's the new mentality I had. I think I just became more confident
2: like when I got when I actually landed compared to when I was leaving, I was 100 percent. I was more at ease. So I sort of my outtake in life is more now like whatever happens, happens like. So, you know, it is what it is, basically. So, yeah.
0: I definitely got that from Somaliland, too, because when I was in
2: London working like 40 hours a week and in a dead end job. I had no idea what I wanted out of life, who I was, but literally just spending nine months in Hargeisa, like figuring out who you are, what you like, the kind of people you sort of, you know, go towards to. It's just like I became a completely different person. I was just more at ease.
1: No Amina, I'm, I'm so grateful to have met you. <laughs> That's genuine, because to be quite honest, yeah. Me and Amina actually got a, a special bond. You know, we actually stayed together. We live together. And to be honest, it was the blessings of actually the 2015 trip. So I'm never going to go against that. So for me, do you know what? Like not only did we find out our families really deeply know each other, people kind of feel that sense of security, you know? ya? Mm-hmm.
0: But like, we didn't care about that. None of that yep. faced us. We, we just got along. I was like, she's loud and she's really nice. I was like, I'm going to hang out with you guys. <laughs>
1: Give a shit, but it was just an actual blessing. It's like how such a small trip, you know, what just kind of ventures out into um, friendships and kind of family relationships. Do you get it? So, we yeah. didn't think like tribal or family, or you know, it was none of that. It was just based on one experience. Vibes. Even the people that I've met, I have no idea
2: what their kabil is. All I know was I was, you know, I really like that person, that person from Canada
0: was really good vibes, just actually really good vibes. I think that kind of goes against exactly how we were conditioned and what we were even just talking about what it means to be Somali that you think that you just need to only exist within a tribal lens or a family lens And going to Somalia for the first time for me to like go back home and like experience it and meet and like have a completely different experience of like just meeting my family. I made my own group of family and friends. And now that you know we're still like keeping in touch, even like I think really kind of speaks to the testament of how like nice that summer was and that experience was. That's why I want to share it with the world. So thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate you guys for your time. Thank you you for having us. Thank you for having us.